Hello, welcome to Discovering Jazz. My name's Larry Sademan here in Victoria, BC. In this program, we all discover jazz old and new together. We'll listen to a wide variety of jazz styles and I'll present different topics, giving ideas as to what we can listen for to enhance our experience. Thanks to Peterborough Independent Podcasters for hosting this podcast. For the next 60 minutes, Discovering Jazz. I'm starting a new series today featuring recordings of compositions jazz musicians play that I think have an interesting story behind them. Whether you think they'll be interesting, I guess that remains to be seen. In the background, you're listening to the 1993 recording by the Gene Harris Quartet of Scotch and Soda, supposedly written by Dave Gard, except it wasn't. Dave Gard was a member of the Kingston Trio, a popular folk group in the late 50s and early 60s. At the time, it consisted of Dave Gard, Nick Reynolds, and Bob Shane, who did the vocal on their rendition of Scotch and Soda. Bob Shane describes how they obtained the song. He states that Dave was dating Katie Seaver, the sister of the famous baseball player Tom Seaver. And one day, sometime in 1956... Bob and Dave visited them in Fresno, California, and um, the parents pulled out some sheet music and described hearing a pianist play this particular tune when they were honeymooning in Arizona in 1932, and they got the pianist to write down the words and the music. They called it their song. According to Shane, Dave Gard, without anybody else knowing it, put his name on the song, something that wasn't uncommon in those days for songs where the writer was unknown. The story goes that they did spend some time looking for the actual writer, but there was no trace of him, and the Seavers never did get his name when he gave them the words and melody. But it's in various jazz fake books, and you're listening to a great jazz version of it.
Gene Harris on piano, Ron Eshte on guitar, Luther Hughes bass, and Paul Humphrey on drums, Scotch and Soda. I did find it a little surprising as a youth hearing that song by the Kingston Trio to hear that one of them wrote it, because the Kingston Trio were not particularly great musicians, and none of them could even read music. It would be wonderful if the mystery were solved and the actual composer was discovered. Here is that Kingston Trio version from their first album in 1958. That's the same album that had their biggest hit, Tom Dooley. Here's Scotch and Soda featuring Bob Shane on vocal. Scotch and Soda Mud in your eye Baby, do I feel high, oh me, oh my Do I feel high Dry martini, jigger of gin Oh, what a spell you've got me in, oh my Do I feel high People won't believe me They'll think that I'm just bragging But I could feel the way I do And still be on the wagon All I need is one of your smiles Sunshine of your eye, oh me, oh my Do I feel higher than a kite can fly? Give me loving, baby, I feel high No, people won't believe me They'll think that I'm just bragging But I could feel the way I do Still be on the wagon All I need is One of your smiles Sunshine of your eyes Oh me, oh my Do I feel higher than a kite can fly Give me loving, baby, I So if you look up the song Scotch and Soda, you might think you found where the Seavers got the song. But alas, no. The 1939 recording by the Charlie Barnett Orchestra is a totally different song called Scotch and Soda, but it's a great record, so let me play it for you. Thank you. 
the Charlie Barnett Orchestra. Sorry, I don't know the name of the soloists, though it's probably Barnett himself on tenor and possibly alto or soprano sax. That trumpet is quite something else. So while we have Charlie Burnett on the line, let's play another song with an interesting story that his wonderful orchestra, a group that courageously integrated blacks and whites in the mid-30s, recorded. Charlie Barnett himself came from a very wealthy family, defying their wishes to become a lawyer in order to be a musician. Here is his version of a tune that was, up until it was replaced by Coltrane's Giant Steps, the test piece for a jazz musician who would often be required to keep up the tune at an extremely fast tempo. And the B part of the tune, or the middle part, had pretty challenging chord changes. Here is Cherokee, again from Another interesting little tidbit about that tune, Cherokee. It was written by Ray Noble, a British composer and band leader, for his Indian suite, with what Ted Goya describes as saccharine lyrics that express a deep passion for a sweet Indian maiden. A few people do sing those lyrics, and I found a version that sounds really good, maybe not so saccharine. D. Daniels spends a lot of time in Vancouver, B.C., although she also seems to live in Seattle and New York. Here she is with her version. Features Cyrus Chestnut on piano, Paul Baudry bass, and Alvester Garnett on drums. Cherokee. 
engine war, yeah. Since first I met you, I can't forget you, Cherokee. Child of the prairie, your love keeps calling. My heart enthralling, Cherokee. Of a winter time gone by from my memory so tenderly and sweet Indian. Daniels and staying with Cherokee. I told you that it was a test piece for jazz musicians. Here's a 1946 Charlie Parker version with Benny Carter and Willie Smith keeping up with him in alto sax and the Nat King Cole trio 
with Nat on piano, Oscar Moore guitar, and Johnny Miller on bass. On drums, none other than Buddy Rich. 306 beats per minute. Caravan. We're listening to Discovering Jazz today, talking about songs with an interesting story. The interesting story for this next one is the composer, Jerome Kern. He was really hostile to any jazz musicians taking liberties with his songs, and yet he wrote tunes that invited such liberties. All the Things You Are is one of his most popular, written for a 1939 musical called Very Warm for May, and on the surface, it's been described as predictable and drab. What with so many possibilities for reharmonizations and melodic variations over the chord changes. And so many jazz musicians have taken those liberties. First, I'll play a version of it the way Jerome Kern would have liked it to be played. Then I'll follow it with an extended version from 1999 by Brad Maldow and his trio of Larry Gennadier on bass and drummer Jorge Rossi. But first, Frank Sinatra. You are the promised kiss of springtime That makes the lonely winter seem long You breathless hush of evening that trembles on the brink of a lovely song. You are the angel glow that lights a star. The dearest things that I know are what you are. 
the Brad Meldow Trio. There are a few interesting things about this next tune, but one of them is that every time anyone plays it, the royalties go to none other than Paul McCartney. His business controls the publishing rights. Here is Leila Bialy on piano with George Collar on bass, Larnell Lewis drums, Rob Pilch guitar, and Don Thompson vibes with Autumn Leaves. Thank you. 
Leilabi Alley from Toronto. I want to finish this episode of Songs with Interesting Stories with the best-known tune of Charles Mingus, Goodbye Pork Pie Hat. Uh, Mingus was very impacted by the death of Lester Young in 1959, so much so that the night that he heard about it, he played a minor blues that he performed at a gig at the half note with his fellow musicians having to play it with him by ear, which was par for the course for Mingus, who didn't normally allow his band members to use charts in order to learn his compositions. This tune was later developed further and became Goodbye Pork Pie Hat, the title being a reference to the hat that Lester Young always wore. Rashan Roland Kirk wrote lyrics for it uh, for a 1976 album which talked about Lester Young's playing. Three years later, Joni Mitchell wrote different lyrics which focused on the racial prejudice Young had experienced. I first heard the tune on an album by Pentangle, a British folk group that featured Bertie Yanch and John Renborn, who had previously recorded the tune as a duo. It was uh, on their double album from 1968 called Sweet Child, and that and the previous duo version may have been the first recordings of the tune made since Charles Mingus performed it. Since then, it's been recorded by a number of jazz artists, and it would no doubt be considered a jazz standard. I don't have time to play you both versions, both vocal versions and the pentangle version, but I did play the Joni Mitchell version on a previous episode on jazz and politics, and I've never heard the Rashan Roland Kirk interpretation, so I really want to play that one. Here it is, from 1976, Goodbye Pork Pie Hat.
Shan Roland Kirk on vocals and saxophone. Lastly, here is Pentangle with Bertie Hanch and John Ranborn on guitars, Danny Thompson on bass, and Terry Cox drums. Perhaps the first recording of the tune after the Mingus version from 1968. This is Larry Sademan saying bye for now, inviting you to tune in next week to Discovering Jazz for more songs with interesting stories. <laughs> 